It is proof that you can teach an old dog new tricks in that I have just recently decided to switch the format of my reading for the sermon text. I've always read the complimentary passage and then ended in the sermon text. I kind of like this new way. (laughs) Nobody told me to do it. I just came up with it on my own. I'm not following any fads. But uh, but what we will be doing, at least for now, uh, is we will begin with Leviticus chapter 16, verses 11 through 14, which is our sermon text. And then we will read the complementary passage, Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. And I think you will see why the order is helpful. So if you would, please open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 16. And in honor of God's word, please stand. Leviticus chapter 16, beginning in verse 11, hear God's word. And Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of the coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the bull, and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Thus far in the reading of God's word, please turn to Revelation chapter 8, beginning in verse 1 and continuing in the reading of God's word. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense and with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. As far In the reading of God's word, let us pray. Almighty God, as we have read your inspired word, we now sit at your feet as your children and say, Father, give us food. Nourish us in our walk with you. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. So children, and particularly those who may not yet read, or at least if you can read, you remember, don't you love picture books? Books with pictures. And you read the same book with pictures over and over again, don't you? You like the same book. Now, adults 
Do you read the same book over and over again the way that a young child does a picture book? There was one particular one that was a favorite in our house, probably a different one for each child. I just happen to remember one or two of them. But picture books. And I think one of the reasons that we turn to those picture books again and again and again is because we always see something a little different. Pictures involve a lot more than simply the wooden words strung together. Now here's what I want you to see. The entire Old Testament is a picture book. It paints these glorious pictures. And it paints them in words. But if God simply wanted to say, Listen, I rescued you from Egypt. Would he have given us the picture of the wings of an eagle? He wants to communicate to us in pictures. Because in pictures we see some glorious, glorious things. And there's a picture that stands before us today, and that is of Aaron the high priest. Aaron the high priest, and we're going to see first Aaron with the sacrifice. And then we're going to see secondly Aaron in the holy place. And then thirdly, we're going to see Aaron in the courtyard of the sanctuary. This picture of an old man. We know that he's Moses' older brother, and we know that by the time Moses goes into the wilderness, he's 80 years old. A 90-year-old, a man in his late 80s, early 90s, standing as a desert nomad, going through this bizarre and bloody ritual, in another language, in another day. How irrelevant could you possibly get? And yet, I think this word and this picture is the most relevant thing that anyone will ever hear. Because it gets to the very issue that faces all of us. And that is, what is justice? What is right? How many people have done horrible, horrible, horrible things? And how many of those people who have done horrible, horrible, horrible things have convinced themselves that they are right? And beloved, if that is not the crisis of our day, if that is not the crisis of your life, you know one of the reasons that Christianity requires discipline, requires self-discipline, is because I know that my heart tells me this is right. And God's Word says, no, it's not, and I'm confronted. 
I know my heart is evil. I know my heart is fickle. I know that I need someone outside me. I know, and so does everyone else. We all desire justice. And yet here in this picture from thousands of years ago of a 90-year-old man going through some bizarre ritual out in the middle of the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula. Here we have the answer. So we look first at the sacrifice itself. Aaron brings a bull. Now we've already seen the whole bull sacrifice. We we walked through this earlier in Leviticus chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And the point of the bull sacrifice is this is for the high priest. This is the most value. This is the, the, the greatest value of the sacrifices that are listed for us there in chapters 3 and 4. If you were here with us when we were covering that section, you remember each bull produced roughly 20 gallons of blood. Four of those Home Depot buckets splashed against the side of this bloody, bloody altar. This massive animal hoisted up onto enough wood to set the thing on fire. Valuable, bloody and grotesque. But two things about it. One is, as that bull burns all night long, In the darkest hour of the night, the sleepless Israelite can open their eyes and look and see all night long both the fire of God's judgment and the sacrifice that is offered. The atoning sacrifice. The gospel presented all night long. You could smell it. You could see it. Present to our senses, the offer of the gospel. God requires death for sin. And He offers you life. He offers a bull. He offers a sacrifice. He offers atonement. So Aaron offers this bull in this way. The other thing about the bull, not only its great value, but then you'll remember from Leviticus chapter 4, is that Aaron places his hands on the head of the bull. And we'll be reminded of this next chapter where we're told why this is such a critical thing. But Aaron, in placing his hands upon the bull, is saying publicly before all the people that are gathered, all the congregation, this is the, this is the, 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 the introduction of Aaron the high priest. This is the great Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. This is not a private ceremony in front of everybody. Aaron says, I 
deserve to die. My sin on this bull. My sin on this animal. And this is the more valuable animal because I recognize I have the greater judgment. As a teacher, as a priest, I'm held to a higher standard. And so the gift that I bring, the offering that I'm commanded to bring, is one of greater value than a sheep, greater value than a goat. It is the most valuable because I have the most responsibility. Beloved, this is the same Aaron who was involved in the golden calf, wasn't it? This is the same Aaron now standing before that God (laughs) and putting his hand on that bull's head. And then you know what happens to this poor old man? You see it in verse uh, 12. He will take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small. He will bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord. The cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he does not die. Aaron, the great high priest takes a bowl of the coals from that fire, the fires of judgment, the fires of God's wrath, the fires that now are lighting what he has declared before all should be his own body. He takes the fires, the coals from that fire, and he walks into the presence of the same God who just annihilated two of his sons. Walks into the presence of that God. You think maybe his knees are knocking? Aaron is told, and and we're reminded just so that, you know, (laughs) just so we're keeping up with the picture book, (laughs) we're reminded of that death so that he does not die. We're reminded that this is the God Aaron walks into, into the presence of. But now I want you to see the picture as Aaron standing there with trembling knees before God is commanded to take a bowl and sprinkle and identify seven times. He's also told to take this bowl of incense. And so as we look at first the sprinkling and then the incense, the sprinkling of this, of this blood, you can, you can imagine what's going through Aaron's mind. I cannot believe that he is not weeping. I, if, if Aaron has any awareness, and surely he does, he just saw his sons immolated. If if Aaron has any understanding of his own unworthiness, and surely he does, because he was the great hero in the golden calf incident. If, If Aaron has any understanding of his 
lack of any right to stand before the presence of God. Do you not think the tears are streaming down his face as seven times he says, my blood on the mercy seat. My blood on the mercy seat. But I guarantee Aaron's eyes were watering. You know why I guarantee it? Because Aaron is holding a bowl full of two measures of sweet incense. Beloved, there is no theological reason for God to add incense. If all that we're talking about is how are we made right with God, why incense? Incense doesn't do a thing. Justice and an equal measure is not what you and I are striving for. The world may cry justice and injustice. We may be able to identify justice and injustice. It always seems it's from a perspective. But beloved, God is just. And he appears over that mercy seat. And Aaron stands before that mercy seat holding a bowl that is smoking with incense. And he's standing in a room in which the light from the room is coming A, from the coals that are on the bowl, but primarily from the golden lampsticks. The symbol of God's guiding hand, the symbol of His Holy Spirit. He's standing before the table of showbread, the symbol of God's presence and meal together with His people. And He's standing before the mercy seat. And the prayers of God's people, the prayers of God's people surround Aaron. They bathe him. The imagery of incense and prayer is throughout the Scriptures. God delights in mercy and He delights in prayer. And the sweet incense of the aroma as it delights the nostrils of God, it excites from Him, beloved, a response. You see it, you saw it in Revelation chapter 8. You saw that response where the prayers of the saints are taken together with coals from the altar, this very image, and God responds. And beloved, this all comes here at the very first picture, with Aaron, the high priest, standing before God and holding a bowl of incense. You see the beauty of our Father how He cares for these children in the wilderness. How He gives to them these beautiful pictures that we can come back to again and again and again. But that picture doesn't end. Our text does, but it picks up in verse 15 with Aaron standing in the courtyard. So before we jump into verse 15, let's just leave Aaron in the courtyard. Because verse 15 at least assumes that Aaron comes out of the holy place. And now, thirdly and finally, Aaron stands in the courtyard. From this place, 
this place of death, this place of holiness, this sacrificial atoning work, this place where Aaron goes and stands before a holy God, confessing his sin, acknowledging his unworthiness, to stand in the very presence of God, acknowledging yet at the same time that He does. That He does stand here bathed in sweet incense, casting blood upon a seed of mercy, guided by light of presence, promised the nourishment of food. He comes out of that place and you can just imagine His hair his robes. People can tell you, when I sit in my cigar lounge, in my garage, <laughs> and enjoy a cigar, it has a tendency to linger. <laughs> Think of that beautiful incense. Lingering upon air. Lingering upon his person as he comes out and says to the people, I live. I live. And I'm here to minister to you. And as Jesus Christ takes up the perfection of that image, as Jesus Christ stands there before the place of God, not with tears in His eyes, but with joy on His face. He stood there in the Holy of Holies. He who was the sacrifice. He who is the priest. Marched up the hill to Zion with a look in His eye because He was going to claim His bride. He was going to go put a ring on it. He was going to march with a purpose up that hill to that cross in order to then rise from the dead, subdue all enemies underneath His feet, draw a people unto Himself, a people who can never be plucked out of His hand. And even as we see in this glorious picture the imperfections, but the beauty, so we see through gospel, new covenant, New Testament eyes, through the eyes of the writers of the New Testament themselves. Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 11. This is, this is not my invention by any stretch. This is the priest that emerges from the place of death. That emerges from the place of holiness and presence. And doesn't then say, now you have to sacrifice. But instead tears the veil. Rips the curtain. And invites you and me into his presence. Beloved, this Jesus has risen with healing in his wings. And that, if you were here for Sunday school is a factual statement. He is raised from the dead. He is risen. He is ascended. And He is seated at God's right hand. And beloved, to that high priest, 
you and I are called and invited. Now I started by saying certainly the world is crying for justice. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on globally. There's a lot of conflict. And the seems to me the bottom line argument between every party that's fighting against every other party is I'm right, no, I'm right. You know what I don't see? As important as those things are, and my wife can tell you, I spend too much time looking at them. <laughs> But as important as those things are, you know what I don't see? And I guarantee you don't either. Is much mercy. The best definition of woke is a state of awareness achievable by those able to recognize injustice everywhere except in themselves. And sadly, that's the definition of a Christian. Far too often. But if you and I saw ourselves the way Aaron saw himself, and if you and I now see ourselves as united to that perfect high priest, that one who brought us from the dead, that one who gave himself as a ransom for many, I think it would shape our lives. And I think one of the ways it would shape it, one of the most profound ways it would shape it, is it stir within us a love for Him. Now that love for Him is articulated in a variety of ways that are all good. I mean, you've got, you put feet to your love for him. But beloved, don't ever confuse the feet for the love. That love for my Savior, that love for your Savior, is going to answer most of the questions you will ever have about what is right and what is wrong. That love for your Savior is going to drive him to his word. That love for your Savior is going to be lived out among his people. And that love for your Savior is always going to be centered right here. As you place your hands on something so much more precious than any bull. When Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, this is my blood body, broken for you. How much more precious could it be? And you and I place our hands on it, not as a conveyance of sin, but as we feed, we are fed by His good hand. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for that great High Priest, Jesus Christ, He who is alone, our prophet, priest, and king. Great, mighty victim, great, mighty king. Father, we pray that you would nourish us, grow us, 
keep us in his path. In Christ's name, amen.